0: Hello, Zan. Hello, Me Forhurst. How you going? Happy now that
1: I'm with you. Yeah, so happy together. That I way. really
0: love that saying. Someone's I heard it recently, and it's it's a bit more kind of old school. Where you're like, "How are you? Happier to have seen you." That's nice. Happy now that I've seen. Anyway, I've messed it up, but it's I think it's quite nice. But it's true in this case. It's not just a saying. Mm. It's true. It's I do not not feel just, happier.
1: Not just good, thanks. Imagine if that was the podcast and we said, Hi, Zan, how are you? Good, thanks.
0: Or just like 25 minutes of complaining about first world problems. Oh, well, this happened. (laughs) That's bang on. Um, We're none of those things. We're your shortcut to everything mm. that happens in the week of music, art, life, culture stuff. mm. Things. So, you know, if people are talking about stuff at work. Or on the streets,
1: taking it to the streets. <laughs> Sorry. In any way, we're here Footy for you. Show reference, circa 1996. <laughs> oh if God, that's a, what it is. If isn't you're it? an AFL fan, um, oh shit, go. that was great, Zan.
0: Let us not mention his name. Never Let us again. talk about one of the strangest news stories of the week, which was that NASA, who had planned a history-making first all-female space walk, mm. had to cancel it. It was due to happen on Friday. Had to cancel it because they couldn't find enough suits. the The men's suits don't fit the torso properly, and they had a plan for a while, but realised, oh boy, they've only got one suit for a woman.
1: Only one.
0: <laughs> you had one job. They had freaking years to plan for this as well. It's not like you're just nicking down the shop and you're like, oh, God, I haven't put the washing on. What am I going to wear? This is a spacewalk. You're walking in no gravity. You're in the middle of literally nowhere. Well, you're near a space station. That's your only beacon.
1: You need a suit. I just find it really ludicrous, though, that... They haven't got, like, they don't tailor-make them to every astronaut. There's only, like, five in the world at one time. Surely you'd get your own suit. The fact that there's only one for a woman and they didn't factor that in, uh, it's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Well, now there's going to be
0: a woman and a man going up on Friday. Uh, Christina Koch is going to be going up. Anna McLean is not going to be making this trip, so the history-making all-female spacewalk will not happen. But funny you mentioned tailoring because musician Alex the Astronaut Yeah. Who is not an astronaut, but she is studying physics and maths. She's oh, incredibly, good. incredibly intelligent, as well as being a great songwriter and a gun soccer player. She tweeted, "It's called going to a tailor.
1: It's not rocket science." Ah, boom! boom tish, boom tish. They're not very good at NASA, though. Have you seen the makeup kits that they designed back <laughs> in 1978 when for the, they, women, women for the women women going up going into space? Bit of zhuzh. Mm, they thought, well, of course, women in space. They I mean, you couldn't possibly walk out on the street without putting your face on. So how is it any different in space? So they've made this rather gorgeous little kit that you can see online and I just love the idea that a bunch of male engineers would have sat down and had a meeting about what women would want in a NASA space kit. These are all the same engineers too who once asked one of the astronauts going up if 100 tampons would be enough for her week-long journey into space. God. I know.
0: Oh man, the internet was in furious reaction this week. Did you see this piece that was on uh, I think it's like a Jezebel subsite, The Muse, on Alanis Morissette's Jagged mm-hmm. Little Pill. God, everyone was talking about it. Written by Tracy Clark forey and she basically the story is that she goes to buy a jagged little pill on vi- on vinyl. It's mm-hmm. been you know reissued. She has to convince her husband, um, who kind of
1: infers that she. It's sort of she you had know, to convince him that she could spend the money in the first yeah. place. Is that right? Well, you know, he,
0: she, she, she kind of infers that he's got better music taste than her, and it's a he's the reason oh, the man, got a, of course, a he record has. player. Yeah, men, yeah. men know about music and things. He's got all the authentic albums, by the Beach Boys and the like. But right.
1: the but the, the Pet P- Sounds is the greatest album ever made, which it is. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, there's like a chorus of men who have said that to me over my life, and I, I actually believe it now. <laughs> it is a great record, though.
0: But this whole piece goes into kind of her personal relationship with um, this album that she listened to. Like pretty much it seems that she listened to it the last time, 20 years ago when it was released, when she was clearly a teenager. And all of that is somewhat buried because she just sort of – she kind of ignores all these touchstones of listening to it as a teenager mm-hmm. and why the album was so important and instead deconstructs the lyrics, the vocal delivery, the way the guitar sounds with an adult set of years, Mm. and then comes to the conclusion that it's not a good album. And a lot of people, including me, are really upset by that. It's just, it's messed up. I think we can
1: safely say this is a bad take.
0: It's a Uh, very bad take.
1: (laughs) First, yeah, she kind of came around to her husband, who of course knows everything about music because he's a man, Mm. um, and he was right. But it takes (laughs) out that bit that... Look, I've never listened to this record because in 1995, I was well and truly, you know, into my late teens and I was going out and I was only seeing punk rock and roll and the, you know, the Powder Monkeys and Beast Suburban. And I wouldn't have had anything to do with this because I was trying to be way too cool. But I reckon I would have loved it if I'd listened to it because it was quite a commercial release here in Australia, wasn't it? Yeah. At that time, it was a huge hit on commercial radio. So I was like, oh, I can't listen to that. I can't listen to that. But like, Who cares if you liked it and who cares if it's crap? Like even if you're on second listen 20 years later, I think a lot of stuff we all probably listen to won't stand the test of time. But there's something about the moment, there's something about what it gives you and I think it gave a lot of young women a sense of not being so alone as far as I can gather from this record. The couple of songs that I knew from radio, I don't see anything wrong with that and that's there's no fun. No spirit of fun in this hot take on how it might be a bad album. It might be, but it doesn't matter.
0: There's also so many bad albums that are written by men, but she could have had the pick of the litter of mm. the albums that have an age. And there's some, and I don't want to turn it into a gender thing, but there is something that's kind of disappointing that you've got a woman ragging out another woman's artistic output and it's like, mm. come on, like she just be, you know, the sisterhood is here, just support each other. Yeah. But Alanis Morissette, I mean, those songs, again, I it wasn't a huge record for me. In 1995, I was in year 12 and I'd kind of gotten past that. It, but it did come off the back of this huge rise that began with Riot Girl and people like Fiona Apple mm. and Alanis Morissette were kind of taking it into the mainstream. Mm. And they were riding a wave, a wave that tipped it into a much broader audience. And I think the place where it was coming from and the place where it reached, which is far more many millions of young girls all over the world, isn't something not to be, mm. be scoffed at. And but also that, that music is like it speaks to you in the lyrics and the kind of intent that she's giving, delivering, it speaks to a certain people at a certain time for a certain reason. That is what is about the connection of music that you hear at a certain time. And you can't just say when you're like 40-something, oh, Oh. it was shit, because you're a different person. You can, but you
1: don't tell – like it's not something to write about almost. It's It's like (laughs) – like yeah, it was shit. But keep I, it to yourself. But I was shit. Like I was crap when I was that age. Like I didn't know anything. So why would I think that the music that I listened to was supposed to be perfect or supposed to be some sort of higher art form? I mean, if it communicated to you at the time, that's its role in that time. It doesn't need to have the same role twenty years down the track. I mean, look, I think we can use a masculine example of this. Um, if you check out any lyrics at all from the band The Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> You might actually find that similar things apply. Great oh my songs, great moments, memories are plenty. Lyrics, probably not so great, to be honest. I, I had so many
0: moments when I saw them in concert, like three or four weeks ago when they were out in Australia, where I was just sitting there and all of a sudden I just went, Oh, I don't remember this being that bad.
1: <laughs> and I love the musicality. Love it. It's just, so much fun, so yeah, much fun. But it's and it's just like they time and place. They know that. They know that. They're, they're not concerned about that. It is time and place stuff. Yeah. And it's perfect for the moment and let it be. And be, be happy with what you liked when you were a kid. It can be as embarrassing as you want it to be. You're learning. You're growing. It's fine. Tonight the night when Oh, Bang Boy. Speaking of banging, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Bang Boy chose that song, but we are speaking of banging, and that was the Spice Girls. Um, Details released this week. Mel B, of course, uh, loves to tell a tale. Um, She announced on Piers Morgan's show, uh, I can't believe he's still got a television show, in fact, um, uh, Mm. but he has got a show, that she slept with Jerry, Jerry Spice, during the 90s, during the glory years. Yeah. Mm. I think that's weird. hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird timing though, isn't it, don't you think? What, you don't think the Spice Girls are a cross-marketing? <laughs> Do you don't think they were invented for marketing? As if she hadn't told Jerry, she's about to tell that story to the rest of the world in order to have a mini feud. So therefore there would be more publicity around the fact that they've got a tour to announce. That's exactly how they
0: roll. They have announced the tour last year, and this is, I guess, case in point as to why maybe they needed to give it a bit of an injection of yeah, attention. not enough it, tickets. it's happening in May. I didn't realise. Mm. And when I was talking to Bang Boy uh, just before we came in to Bang On today, he was doing the old Miff Googles and yeah. realising, oh, my God, it's like a month and a half yeah, away. And, we, and the world has forgotten. The world has forgotten probably because Posh Spice isn't going to be involved. Yeah. And so it's not a real reunion. We, we all know. know that. We know. But yeah, they just need to up, up the ante. And so they've
1: come out and, and said this. But they've but, created this feud. And then there's this take in The Guardian that you sent me. And I read it and went, oh, yeah, it's fair enough. She probably shouldn't have told if Jerry didn't know about it. But oh, it was humorless. <laughs>
0: You know what that take in the Guardian though which I which resonated with me was mm. that idea that you sort of selling lesbianism as entertainment. You know that thing that when you were, you know, some of us did when we were younger or you see in TV shows mm. where it's like two girls kiss for the pleasure of a man. Mm all of that bullshit, like talking about this kind of lesbian encounter that they had and they are both Mm. very clear that it just happened once. Whatever they do in their private lives, I actually don't care and I don't really care about their sexual proclivities or leanings but it feels like it was a sell in the same way to Mm. these, you know, two girls kissing in front of a boy to make him more interested, (laughs) two girls having sex in front of a media to make them buy tickets. But what if I I thought it was hot? That's what I went, oh, that's hot. <laughs> well everyone, it's just the sell though. It's just yeah. the cell. I don't know. Well, I thought not... that, that you know that kind of resonated a bit with me. Yeah. Mm. You're going though, aren't you? I'm not bothered. I'm <laughs> buying
1: tickets. I'm loving it. Loving it. <laughs> it's just nice. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, myth? It's just, just nice. nice. It had to happen. David Bowie, who is no longer with us, but may he rest in peace, has collaborated. I'm not sure how he's collaborated, um, but he has, with a sneaker company called Vans. You know them. They had uh, shoes in the 90s that lots of people wore, early 2000s, just flat-footed sneakers. Very flat-footed, very uncomfortable. Yeah, not, not look, not my style of shoe, to be honest, he's done a collaboration. I still can't get my head around this. Um, from a couple of records, he's got old-school ones featuring Ziggy Sardust's famed lightning bolt make-up motif, which I quite like – um, and he's done something else in a colour palette along the lines of The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. And then there's another one, Space Oddity, which is a slip-on 47VDX that pays tribute to Hunky Dory. And frankly, I don't know how else you could pay respect your respects to someone <laughs> of the creative brilliance of David Bowie other than in a shoe, a sneaker. You keep on saying he,
0: but it's not he. It's the David Bowie estate, and this is the first tipping point, isn't it? It's this is over. the moment. This is the moment where the legacy of David Bowie starts getting commodified, mm-hmm. where you have all these quote unquote collaborations. Yeah. But he's not alive, and I don't think David Bowie ever wore Vans, and yeah. I don't think he'd ever put his iconic imagery
1: onto a sneaker. Although I do like the uh, Ziggy Stardust ones. Stop. I've got to say, they're actually quite cute. And I they're would, no good for your back, mate. They're flat-footed, no good for your back. Wear. But, some, but I'm an old person now and I put in arch support. So put in, some, put in some your some own orthotics. personal arch support. <laughs> and it's great. Me and Mick Jagger are on the same path. And I think Bang Boy might have even crossed over to the arch support family. And I think you will be joining us all very soon. Are you talking hashtag, about... Hashtag art support, uh, arch support <laughs> is life. <laughs> Is something I'm not.
0: A, I'm not here for the yeah. Bowie Vans. I'm saying no to the Bowie Vans.
1: Really? Come on!
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't give me that look. You're still feeling a bit hot under the collar after the Spice <laughs> Girls news, aren't you? I'm just feeling happy. Everything's good. <laughs> look, it's a double fashion, and I'd Lou, like we mm-hmm. had to mention Bowie because we've never had Bowie fashion I except know. for the, all the incredible fashion he had throughout his whole life. Yes. But he is the soundtrack to a fashion update, mm. and
1: from Bowie Vans to. What what did you coin them on Twitter? They're a combination of a Jean and an undie style, like a bikini, very small bikini undie style, Um, and they're going nuts at the price of two hundred and seventy-five pounds, which I assume is about five hundred dollars a piece, Australian money. Um, I called them jundies. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. (laughs) So good. Or someone else actually on Twitter came up with jickers. Jeans and knickers, jickers, but jundies has that kind of. I don't know, oof, about it, doesn't it? It's a, what's, what's, are you supposed
0: to wear these as outerwear and just with nothing else on? Like yes. with a shirt tucked in and then just a high-cut
1: undie jean? Just a jean undie. Like they're so high. They're literally, like think about Kim Kardashian's latest bathing suit, how high she's been pulling them. Um, it's like that, but with the inner jean. Just they're jundies. I quite like
0: the way that they look on the back. Is that controversial to say? They look
1: hot. Yeah, they look really hot. Not on my ass, but on <laughs> someone with a magnificent body. They look hot. Cuz you've got the
0: little like squares of the mm. the you know the, the what do you cut. call them, the back pockets, but then they're cut in half because wow. obviously it goes that high cut bikini mm. cut of the jundie.
1: Yeah, jundie's for life. <laughs> Arch, arch support for life and jundies for life. Where are wow. we, Where are we at? The 2019
0: is. is becoming very interesting, isn't it? Mm.
1: Very revealing
0: in the fashion.
1: The fashion. Mm. All right, I'll get you a pair of jundies for your birthday. Yeah, and I'll get you a pair of those Bowie things. <laughs> I think you'll like them. Wood wear. Wood wear. Not the ones with the classic van sort of racing checkers. I'm not into those. But the clean the line ones. Wood wear. You What are you
0: banging on about? This is the only song I could think of when I was thinking of Undercover. It's Undercover Martin by Two Door Cinema Club. (laughs) Sorry. I love it. Um, But I'm banging on about a fella who went undercover for three years, not one, not two, but three Mm -hmm. years as a part of an Al Jazeera investigation, which you may have seen on Tuesday night on the ABC. Part two is happening on Thursday. You might be listening to Bang On before that. Highly recommend it. All of it's up on iview or will be shortly. And it's basically this very long form investigation where this guy called Roger Muller, an Australian fella, posed as a gun rights activist, like literally formed a group, told his friends and family that he'd changed his views and then embedded himself in a bunch of different groups, met with the NRA, met with One Nation, which is what the big story politically has been this week. And really just ingratiated himself with a whole bunch of people who then trusted him and then he secretly filmed and recorded all of these conversations which has been a a huge story in the news this week but beyond the story because this is not a political podcast and i did have someone tweet me this week saying can you just dedicate bang on can you just talk politics for a week we don't really like it's sometimes it's hard to avoid as we have in the last couple of weeks but we try not to because there's so many other great podcasts like the party room with fran and pk that do just that yeah So definitely have a listen to theirs. But I did want to just give a shout out to this because taking taking a look at this from the approach of incredible journalism, it's just mind-blowing. Like three years is a long time to completely assume another identity. This is something that the FBI do. This is not something you necessarily see that often these days in journalism. And so it's been interesting to see how successfully they did that and, of course, what it's revealed about what people say behind closed doors uh, and particularly in the world of Australian politics, but also this sort of stuff that NRA says in terms of literally how to mm. sell a massacre. That's what this program's called, How to Sell a Massacre. So it's gobsmacking stuff. Watch it on iView if you haven't already. I mean, have, did you watch it the no, other night? No, I haven't if... seen it. I want to watch it. I've I've got to catch up. It's just you, you're glued. So, yeah, that's my bang on this week. It's – um. <sighs> kind of left me breathless. I, you know, I get hot under the collar about good journalism and it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, you're razzed, yeah. I
1: can tell. I'm totally razzed. And razzed. I'm razzed. <laughs> what are you banging on about? Well, um, it's something I had to do this week for work and it's one of the most beautiful books I have ever seen in my life. Now, anyone who is into vegetarianism or veganism, probably tune out right now. But the book is called um, Eat the Problem and it's by Kirsha Kirschler, and she is one half of the Mona team with David Walsh, and she's an artist and a curator in her own right with quite a fascinating background outside of that. But she's put together this picture book slash recipe book of invader species that can be turned into... Incredible recipes uh, with chefs the likes of you know Heston Blumenthal and Shannon Bennett and all these huge worldwide celebrity chefs have contributed. But the photography and the color and it flicks through a rainbow. None of us will ever be able to afford this book, but I got to see it <laughs> in person. And seriously, it is one of the most incredible art pieces slash recipe book slash environmental activism that I have ever seen. I mean, there's recipes in there for things like sweet and sour cane toad. There's <laughs> fox, fox ticker masala. But it's all of this stuff that she suggests that we, you know, we cull these animals to a huge extent. They're, they're, it's not like they're, they're out there existing freely. They get culled yeah. and, and there are programs culling them. So why aren't we actually choosing to see them in a different way? It's about cultural um Understandings of what's acceptable kinds of food, mm. so it's it's actually really fascinating and it's incredibly beautiful. So how do you if you can't afford it? I don't you even to know how much it costs. Go to a bookshop and flip through it. Flip through <laughs> their, flip through their, um, I don't know. It's a like a store copy or something, and have a look. And maybe you would want to get it because it's like a it's like having an art piece. It's it's. It's nuts. It's actually nuts, and it's crazy, and it's beautiful, and it's wild. And I, I I was really blown away by it. This. Were you
0: turned around, but into thinking about making a meal with one of these pests? Mm, I yeah
1: no. (laughs) no, Just I will just keep looking. You'll think about it, but maybe not make the fox casserole. Fox tikka masala. Fox tikka tikka (laughs) tikka masala. I'm sorry. Excuse me, please. It's just beautiful. If you can get your eyes on it at some point, it's I've not seen a book like it, and I know. Are you v- saying
0: to feast your eyes on it? Mick? Feast your eyes oh goodness, on oh my on the
1: delectable sorry. delectable uh, offering. Um, Virginia Trioli was mad for it too on ABC News Breakfast. She was like just losing her mind as soon as you look at it. You go, oh wow, it's actually quite surrealist and weird and messed up. And there's artist contributions, musician contributions, writers, and you know, it's just it's nuts. It's great.
0: I love that. Mm. I want to check it out. In a bookshop. In a
1: bookshop. And then leave. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Hey, Miff, do you realise that we are up to episode 99 this week? That means next week we are hitting the century. 100 episodes of Bang On. Are you kidding?
1: Isn't that nuts? We made it. (laughs) Hundred not out. I actually
0: just think that's quite remarkable. So we'll have to think of something special to do. And can just thank you so much to everyone who is part of the Bang Fam. I actually had a tweet this week from someone who said they just found the podcast in the last couple of months and they've gone back and listened to all the old episodes, Whoa. which again is, and they said Terrifying. it because they, well, they got to the episode where we talk about how we can't believe people do that. So they're like, that's me. <laughs> but it's just like, that really blows our mind. Um, and, and we love all the bang fam, new and old, uh, people who've been there from the beginning, people who've just found us. So thank you. And let's celebrate next week. 100. Yeah. Uh, hopefully Beryl will make a little appearance. Oh, she
1: is a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Do Maybe a letter from the Queen letter for Letter from the Queen My husband no. <laughs> I don't know, is that Beryl? No, that's the Queen no. <laughs> See you next week See ya Beryl,
0: I mean Bang 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 on See, they're
1: alright Nah Those but- Bowie shoes, they're okay No. What's wrong with these?
0: Well, they're, they're half the size Where's of his
1: head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're too big in the picture.
1: They are pretty big. They? But they're good. <laughs> See, they're good, you know?
0: It's all right.
1: Yeah, it's good. Double yeah. J.